And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. We're going to have a great hour. Ken Samples is with me for the whole hour. We're going to talk about, um, does Islam differ from Christianity? You better believe it does. But interestingly enough, Pew Research said that if current trends continue by 2050, there'll be 9 billion people living on the planet. And about 3 billion will be Christians, and about 3 billion will be Muslims. And about 3 billion others will represent kind of various religious beliefs. So we're going to have quite a melting pot in the next, uh, let's see, 30 years. It's going to be interesting. So we're going to definitely open up the the text line, and you can send questions. If you uh, want to remain anonymous, of course you can. Or if you would uh, like to call, you can do that as well. 877-933-2484. I don't know if you've ever tried to share the gospel with a Muslim co-worker or neighbor or friend or what kind of success you had or didn't have. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, again, 877-933-2484. My regular guest, Ken Samples, we get him once a month. I always look forward to it. He's a philosopher and theologian, and he's uh, from sunny Southern California with reasons.org. He's also a professor. Ken, welcome back. Hi, Bill. It's good to talk with you once again. Uh, nice to have you on the show. And I'm always uh, interested in getting your perspective, and I think this is a fascinating topic, and I'm so glad you were willing to share this uh, with with my listeners today. Um, Very interesting point that you had sent me um, saying uh, a conversation between um, a college youth and when somebody says, if someone asks for directions to your house, what do you tell them? And the youth replied, well, it depends on where they're coming from. Mm. And I thought, boy, is that the right way to evangelize? <laughs> Do say more about that. Yeah, I mean, people uh, people are coming from different perspectives in different places. And, you know, Bill, if I wanted to talk with a, a Muslim or a Hindu or a Buddhist 50 years ago, I'd have to go overseas. That's true. Now, now we live in a a diverse religious community. You know that where where you live in America, and it's it's certainly the case here in Southern California. People are coming from different perspective and points of view. They are, and it is seems like it's more divided than ever, and just the whole idea of figuring out ways to to talk to our Muslim friends and neighbors and co-workers about anything spiritual can be a challenge. I think you're right. I think, I think we live at a time where we may, we may never have had as much religious diversity, but, but we also have a lot of religious sensitivity and uh, that extends to, to culture and uh, skin color and all kinds of, you know, other, uh, other issues. And, and and yet, from a Christian point of view, we really can't lose sight of the fact that uh, uh, there is a truth, and that truth is a person. It's Jesus Christ who has come into the world. And of course, Muslims have a perspective on Jesus, as virtually everybody does. It's interesting, Ken, because when I think of uh, having a conversation with a Muslim, I, I wonder, and I have to ask myself, how much do I kn- know about their their faith and what they believe? And is it things I should read or things I should just come right out and ask them? Well, you know, I don't think it's a bad idea at all to, of course, do a little 
little study. I yeah. The 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 brief article that I sent you is really kind of a a way of kind of summarizing things. But I also think, Bill, uh, you know, people like to people like to be asked questions. And I, I think, you know, I've had many Muslim students. I've debated Muslim scholars. Um, they're, I, I would describe them generally that they're curious about what Christians believe. And uh, I'm curious about what they believe. And so it doesn't hurt to ask somebody, hey, you know, what do you believe? And, and how have you come to that that particular perspective. Mm-hmm. Well, Ken, maybe we can start by just talking about, you know, what does Islam share with historic Christianity? Yeah, very, very important. I, I think it's very critical to kind of begin with uh, where we where we agree, because uh, that will give then the differences uh, a certain perspective. Um, you know, oftentimes people want to begin with the the most distinct differences. But let's talk a little bit about where uh, traditional Islam and historic Christianity agree. Well, both religions are theistic and philosophical orientation, so we both believe that there's an infinite and eternal personal God who, who, who created the world. Both religions are monotheistic, both believe that there really is only one God, uh, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about, about how the Trinity differs with uh, the Islamic view, but both are monotheistic in in belief. Of course, both have come out of the Middle East. I mean, we think of Christianity being very influential in the West, but in terms of origin, they both are Middle Eastern. And then, uh, interestingly enough, uh, both make a claim to uh, go back to, to Abraham, uh, both make claims to be Abrahamic faiths. That is, they tie they tie themselves into the Hebrew Bible or, or the Jewish scriptures. Uh, uh, Christians uh, to through Isaac, and interestingly, the Muslims see themselves through Ishmael. So there is that there is that common ground. And and as I mentioned, Muslims have have ideas about Jesus. I mean. They uh, they actually have a high view of Jesus uh, or a positive view of Jesus, even though they're going to differ with some of our doctrinal distinctives. So I would imagine that if we start into a discussion on the Trinity, things are going to go south pretty fast. Well, you're, you're getting right at the, the heart of the differences. I okay. Think. There's, there's no doubt about that. Should we I ease mean, into it a little? I think it, I think it's good to I, I think it's good to be honest. I think it's good to ease into it. Uh, you know, a couple years ago, Bill, I bet you remember this. There was a lot of discussions within Christian circles about whether Christians and Muslims worship the same God. What I thought was really interesting about that discussion is that it was the Muslim scholars and theologians who said definitely not, because the Christians worship this triune God, which they think is uh, tritheism or polytheism. So, you know, w- when you when you get into those discussions about uh, about God, it 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 can be it can be um, you know tense. But and of course there are other people who have spent their lives uh, in Islamic lands who have tried to build relationships with Muslims, and sometimes they'll have different kind of tacks, you know. 
they'll they'll say, hey, let's not go into all that. Let's try to let's try to build uh, their interest in the Bible and kind of ease into it. But but they're different. There are different ideas about how to how to honestly and sincerely communicate the gospel uh, to Muslims. Mm -hmm. Ken, if you would talk about just the traditions that each uh, a, a Muslim person would have and a Christian person would have growing up, because in a Muslim family, if you start to waver from the Muslim faith, the consequences could be significantly worse than if you were a Christian. That's right. Uh, I mean, you have uh, you you have a honor shame culture in the Middle East, and uh, that's kind of different. Uh, that's very different than what you might find, you know, in the Western world as to how parents think about their teenagers, uh, you know, uh, moving away from the faith. Um, I, I I think what's interesting here, Bill, is that. And this is this is going to surprise. I'll bet it might might surprise you, might surprise your your listeners, and they may want to ask me a question about it later. You know, in some ways, I think Islam is more like Judaism than it is like Christianity. Now, now that's not that's not completely true. There are plenty of things where Jews and Christians would agree, uh, as opposed to the Muslims. But my, here's my example. In Judaism, if you meet an Orthodox Jew, they're going to talk first about practice before they probably talk about doctrine. That is, if you, you meet uh, a very conservative Orthodox Jew, do you keep kosher? Mm. And, and Muslims have a very similar idea uh, that, that practice and lifestyle is maybe... I'm not going to say it's more important than belief, but it's but it's very important. And so uh, in Christianity, I would say, you know, the most important ideas are what do you believe, then your values and then where you belong. But in Judaism, they flip that. It's belong, values, believe. And I think Islam is similar to that. It's it's more like do you follow the practices of Islam than giving you a track that says, do you believe in the, you know, the four spiritual laws? It's interesting, Ken, I've done a lot of uh, prison ministry in my days, and I'm always a little surprised when I see the, the growing amount of uh, Islam in prisons. And I think, well, yeah. Islam empowers the man, and Christianity says, you know, s surrender and come out of the authority. And, and Islam is kind of empowering uh, for the, the guy in prison to say, I'm now going to be in control, and I'm going to be worshiping Muhammad and God and Muhammad, and I'm going to have some control in my life. Yeah, yeah. I No, I think you're, I think you're right on. I, I think that, uh, I think that religions are not just, they're not just different when it comes to doctrine and kind of practices. But the religions say different things about who you are in relationship to God. And, uh, you know, in, and in Islam, there is very strong patriarchal system. Uh, that's true in Judaism and Christianity to some degree as well, no doubt. But there is this very strong sense that, um, you know, a Muslim man is going to, uh, is going to be in a position of, of needing to take authority. Mm -hmm. Of course. 
of course, submission to Allah is the ultimate idea. But yeah, there, 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 are, there are differing ways that they think about the human family, uh, the, the father role, um, the roles of authority in society. Uh, those are certainly uh, going to be different when it comes from Muslim to Christian. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a little break. Ken Samples is my guest, and we're talking about Islam. And Islam emerged about, oh, six or so centuries after Christianity. So when we come back, I'm going to have Ken outline how Islam reacts to essential Christian truth claims. If you have a question or a comment, let me know what it is. 877-933-2484. Ken Samples is my guest. Always look forward to having him on the show. He's always brings so much amazing content. Today we're talking about does Islam differ from Christianity? And it certainly does. And I think it's uh, probably good right now, Ken, if we can lay out some of the um, some of the differences, some of the, the doctrinal denials of Islam. Yeah, let me um, let me make just one more comment about numbers. Um, you know, if you added up the number of Christians and Muslims in the world, um, would be about 55% of the world's population. Uh, the latest numbers I've seen in Christianity, of course, we're being inclusive, all the branches, Catholic, Protestant, uh, Orthodox, all the denominations, adding them up, about 2.3 billion Christians in the world, about 1.9 billion Muslims. Uh, you know, that's 4.2 billion. That's 55% of the population. Now, if that's the case, I think it's important that Christians and Muslims should be able to talk with each other and communicate to each other. We make up a big part of the world's population. Now, you're right on target there, Bill, when you said that Islam comes along about six centuries after Christianity. So in some respects, Islam is responding to Christianity. And I identify what I call six systematic doctrinal denials. That is that is, Islam really, really seriously rejects what I would call the very essence of Christian truth claims. And I'll, I'll summarize six, and I'll, I'll do it quickly. And if, oh, no, you uh, don't have to do it quickly. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll develop it, and, and if uh, folks want to ask questions, yeah. they can. Terrific. So the first, the first one would be that Islam denies the Trinity, and simply put, the Trinity— the word Trinity comes from triunity, three in one. So Christians believe that there is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All of those three persons share the one divine essence. So, so the uh, three persons are the one God. Now, Muslims would adopt what we might call a, a form of Unitarianism, that there's one God, one person. So Allah is a single, solitary God. Uh, the reference here in Islamic writing is called Tahid. And so, so Allah is a single solitary God. He created the world, but he doesn't have a son. He doesn't have any partners or equals or anybody that would ever rival him. 
And uh, unlike the Trinity, where the Father eternally begets the Son and the Spirit flows from the Father and the Son, uh, Allah has no Son. He doesn't beget, nor does He have a Son. And in fact, the word Father does not appear in the Quran. So Muslims don't refer to Allah, at least in a Quranic sense, as being their father. So right at the very heart of who God is, there is a very serious difference. And as I mentioned before, Muslims earlier, when this discussion about whether whether uh, Muslims and Christians worship the same God, it was the Muslim scholars who said, fundamentally not, we reject the Trinity. Wow, that's a big one. Now, moving then uh, in, a, in a doctrinal order, let's talk about the Incarnation, uh, because the Trinity and the Incarnation may be two of the most distinctive Christian beliefs. And, of course, Incarnation, it's a Latin word, uh, carnivore eats flesh. So Jesus Christ came in the flesh, right? This is the idea that Jesus was a single person, but he had both a divine and human nature. And so the early Christians uh, in Greek called him the Theanthropos, Theos God, Anthropos man. He was the God man. Now, now Muslims actually have very positive things to say about Jesus. For example, they think he was virgin born. They think that he did perform miracles and he lived a sinless life, which is quite a concession. But there's one thing Muslims will not say. They will not say that Jesus is God. He's merely a human being. Uh, and so the deity of Christ and the doctrine of the Trinity, they see those doctrines as, uh, as shirk, that is, as, as heresy. Uh, the Trinity is tritheism. And uh, to worship Jesus would be one of the worst things you could do, because only Allah is to be worshipped. So Right at the get-go, we've got these two distinctive Christian doctrines, the Trinity and the Incarnation, and classical Islam would say, no, we, we, um, we reject both of those. Ken, why would they want to say that Jesus was born from a virgin? Because that seems pretty miraculous. That would make him pretty spectacularly special. It certainly is, and, and, and I think to some extent this reflects a, a very important Islamic idea, Bill, and that's the idea that both the Hebrew and Christian scriptures, they contain truth, but they also have been corrupted. And so there are ideas in the Bible about Jesus that are true, his virgin birth, his miracles, uh, his sinless life, but then there is this corruption that's come along, uh, this uh, you know, Trinity and Incarnation. Uh, but by the way, and, and this this is a controversial statement, but I think it's right on target, Bill. They're very similar. Uh, Islam's critique and evaluation of Christianity is very similar to what the Mormons say, that Joseph Smith comes along and you need another book, the Book of Mormon, and that will make sense of the corruption of the Hebrew Christian scriptures. Whereas Muhammad, long before Joseph Smith comes along and says, now you need the Quran to help you uh, shield away that corruption. And to, because if you read the Bible as it was originally, according to Islam, it would read exactly like the Quran. Wow. 
Now, number three, um, and, and we are talking distinctive doctrines. I mean, we're talking Trinity incarnation. Now Islam denies the crucifixion. Of course, this is, this is right at the heart of the faith. Jesus is atoning death on the cross, right? He's put mm -hmm. on the cross, by, but the Romans crucify him. But the biblical interpretation is that this is an atoning death, that Jesus is laying down his life. Um, Muslims believe that Jesus either didn't die on the cross, uh, that is, uh, even, even though he may be a, have been uh, nailed to the cross, they, they think that uh, he either didn't die on the cross or someone else took his place, maybe Barabbas. Now, what comes out of that is that Islam is not a redemptive religion. Uh, that is, Muhammad doesn't do anything in this life to, tr to change your spiritual condition in the next life. Uh, Christianity is the religion that says God has made an appearance in the world, and Jesus, as God in human flesh, he changes your very relationship with Yahweh in the next world. And by the way, in my book, God Among Sages, I point out that um, it's not just Muhammad who doesn't do anything to change a person's relationship in the next world, but neither does Krishna, Buddha, or Confucius. This is a unique idea that God has come into the world and God has changed your very relationship. You went from being the object of God's just anger and wrath to becoming adopted into the family of God. So Muslims, uh, Muslims deny the very heart of Christianity. They deny the crucifixion. They deny that Jesus performed an atonement. That's a significant, another significant difference, Ken. Um, amazing, because the crucifixion is at the center point of Christianity. And for, yeah, I mean, for Muslims to say, no, I didn't die on the cross, that's a, that's, a, that's a significant departure. Yeah, we're not talking about minor secondary issues, right. Trinity, Incarnation, Crucifixion. Now, uh, today, we talk uh, about the image of God, right? Yeah. Uh, the book of Genesis says God created human beings in his image, male and female, he created them. Well, Muslims deny what we call in Latin the Imago Dei. They yeah. deny the image of God, and, and for a very specific reason. Yeah, Ken, let's, because... let's if it's all right, let's pick that up when we come back from our break. We're up against a hard break, so I, have to, I have to be rude and interrupt you, which I hate doing. Uh, no problem. We'll, we'll be right back with Ken Samples. You can go to reasons.org to learn more about Ken and his books. And also, uh, if you have any questions as we discuss the difference between Christianity and Islam, send the text, the question, the comment, 877-933-2484. Be right back. guest. We're talking about the difference between Islam and Christianity, and why not, huh? He's going through the uh, six doctrinal denials that Islam makes, and so far we talked about Islam denies the Trinity, Islam denies the Incarnation, and Islam denies the Crucifixion. Right before break, I cut you off a little bit, but we're getting into Islam denies the Imago Dei. 
Yeah, the you know, the Imago Dei is a very important biblical doctrine. Jews, Christians affirm it. Uh, we bear the image of God. It's what gives us the sanctity of human life. Humans have dignity and value because of God's image. Interestingly, Bill, uh, Muslims deny the Imago Dei, the image of God, because they think that that would put human beings too close to Allah. Again, the, the, uh, Muslims are concerned with what is known as shirk, that anyone would take any glory away from Allah, or that anything would ever compare too closely. So uh, human beings, according to Islam, are not made in the image of God. That doesn't mean that Muslims don't care about human beings and don't see humans as having value and dignity, but but it is a different difference from the biblical traditions, right? Again, Jews and Christians affirming the image of God. Then, as we as we talk more about human beings, uh, another difference is uh, Islam denies what we would call original sin. Original sin is the biblically based idea that human beings are born with a sinful nature, and they have what I would call a natural propensity to sin. Uh, King David in in Psalm fifty one says that we. Uh, we're conceived in iniquity. And then he says, we come from our mother's womb speaking lies. Well, uh, interestingly enough, and I would never have thought this, it surprised me when I learned this, uh, Muslims deny what we would call original sin. And that seems so uh, inconsistent with their history. I, I, I don't think I'm being... Um, excessively critical to say that Islam has had a significant problem with violence in their history, even even Muslim among Muslim. And yet they believe all people are born good. Um, and so this doctrine of what we call the fall, that humans have fallen into sin, well, it, there's no fall, so there's no atonement. And then, and then finally, again, going in that tradition of no fall, no atonement, Islam denies salvation by grace. This is the this is the critical idea of the gospel that human beings are are reconciled to God not by anything we do but by the unmerited favor, the grace of God, what Jesus has done on our behalf. And and Bill in Islam uh, Muslims believe that uh, paradise it's a it's a reward and uh, di divine wrath that's earned as well. And so it's it's about your submission. It's about your obedience. And uh, that that leads us, I think, uh, to carefully conclude that that Islam denies the very essence of historic Christianity. Again, I mean, the Trinity, the Incarnation, crucifixion, Imago Dei, original sin, salvation by grace. I mean, these are not my these are not baptism. Uh, this is not differences about the millennium. Here you're talking about what all Christians would identify as the kinds of things we find in the creeds of historic Christianity. Mm -hmm. Well done, Ken. Here's a question that came in from a listener who wishes to remain anonymous. It sounds like you're afraid of Islam spreading, and I was wondering why you feel like you need to get Muslims to change to Christianity. Well, that's a direct question. I appreciate the directness of it. I, I would say this. Uh, I, I, as a Christian, I believe that truth is 
Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through him. So I'll lay my cards on the table. Uh, I respect, I, I try to respect all human beings, and I actually respect Muslims, but I am in the business of trying to persuade them of the truth of Christianity. So it's not about uh, not wanting Islam to spread. It's about trying to look very carefully. And, and by the way, to, to the person who texted that question, I think if there were a Muslim scholar, and by the way, I'm going to give you a recommended book written by a Muslim scholar, I think the Muslim scholar would say, uh, Ken is right. We do deny these things. So... I think we come to the conclusion then, Ken, and, and you'll do a better job of explaining this than me, that uh, they both can't be true. Either Islam is true, which would make Christianity false, or vice versa. And, and that's such an important question today, because we live at a time where, we, where our culture prizes pluralism and inclusivism, um, and, and I understand that, and I, I think you see some of that coming in, in the previous text, that, you know, if you differ with a religion, you, maybe you have bad motives or you, uh, you know, you want to stop its spread. But it's really a matter of truth. I mean, it, if in fact, Bill, I mean, I like to say the laws of logic are stubborn things. If you deny the Trinity, the Incarnation, the Crucifixion, the Imago Dei, original sin, and salvation by grace, you've denied the very heart of Christianity. So I would say if Islam is true, Christianity is false. It has to be. But if Christianity is true, I would say Islam is false. Now, that's not because um, I uh, don't respect other religions. It's not because... Um, I'm an Islamophobe. Uh, I think this is the direct result of being careful and reasonable with the laws of logic and applying them to these two distinct religions. Mm -hmm. And pointing out differences doesn't equal condemnation as much as acknowledging that we are really quite different. Yeah, and I and I think that it's important to to I, I think it actually shows a certain respect. We want to we want to see. I mean, in the early part of the show, we talked about common ground. We then moved very carefully to the differences. Um, I I think the Islamic scholars and the Islamic apologists I have talked with and debated, Bill, they would convey very clearly. Yes. There are real differences, and it's important that people consider those differences. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, this is a Christian radio show, and people know where I stand, and I think they know where you stand. So if we took this uh, person's comment and just took out the word Islam and put in any other word, it would, it would be the same question, wouldn't it? You know, it sounds like you're afraid of Hinduism spreading. Yeah, I, I, I think that... Uh, it, I, I think the real difference here is this issue of truth. Um, you know, there are there are a billion Hindus in the world, um, uh, 500 million uh, Buddhists in the world. Um, I would talk to anybody. I would talk to the guy on the street who's an agnostic or a person who said, "I'm a non. I have no interest." I would, uh, as a Christian, 
I would want to introduce everybody I could to Jesus. Of course, I, I hope I can do it winsomely. I hope I can do it carefully. Uh, I hope that if a Muslim were listening to this program, he would uh, recognize that as a Christian I disagree, but that he would recognize I'm trying to be very careful and accurate in, in defining my faith and theirs. Mm-hmm. So if you look at, at uh, Islam and the five pillars of Islam, it, if you keep those and obey those, will that get you to heaven? Well, that goes back to that very, I think, important point we made earlier, Bill, that uh, when you look at the pillars, you know, the, the, the creed, uh, you know, that there's no God but Allah and Muhammad is his prophet, you know, the giving of, of alms, uh, uh, you know, these are these are practices that will ultimately, uh, in the best of circumstances in Islamic theology, they will put you in a position of obedience and that you can be accepted and and achieve paradise. Um, in in some sense, uh, Islam really is a a religion of works. Mm-hmm. So. It, it, Ken, you made a mention that they, Islam does not believe Jesus died on the cross. Is there any discussion about the resurrection? Did he eventually die from something, and then did he come back to life, and did he conquer sin and death? How do they look at that? Yeah, that would, again, be a very different different orientation. I mean, if there's no atonement... Um, uh, the resurrection would would be the unique part of Christianity, uh, and that that's not picked up by Islam. That is not uh, if he didn't die on the cross, or if uh, somebody else took his place, then the atonement is out, and then the resurrection would be out. Mm-hmm. I was talking uh, with Rebecca, our, my producer, during the break, and she was saying I could certainly see how men if they're looking for power and, and uh, uh, wanting to be drawn into Islam. But what about a, a woman, a, a, a female that would convert to Islam? I mean, you're, you're setting yourself for, up for a situation where you are going to be um, very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Should I insert one? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I can. I was just thinking there. There's such a difference as now. I've I've never been in the Islamic faith, but having talked to to women that are born into a culture that is largely Islamic, there is a real difference they describe in how women are treated under Islam compared to where women are treated in Christianity or in the Western culture specifically, which is influenced by Judeo Christianity. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I mean, we have two very different cultures. Um, you know, it, it, and people look at these kinds of things differently. I remember teaching a philosophy class uh, at a at a community college in Southern California a number of years ago. Had one young gal in my class. She was from Saudi Arabia. I, I think she was fairly well off. Uh, her family had was educating her in the states, and then. She said one day that she would go back and her her father would would pick her husband, her marriage would be arranged. 
And uh, I remember the class. I remember some of the ladies in the class. They were like, what? Uh, <laughs> you know, there was this this discussion. But, you know, she said, look, my father, he cares about me. He's been around the block a little more. He's going to do what's right for me. And, you know, it was it was I, as a teacher, I loved it. Here are here is a discussion of, you know, these kind of cultural issues. But, yeah, you have you have differing ideas and uh, one of the differing ideas is is about family and about uh, about issues relating men to women. Um, and and of course, Islam is is a controversial religion for 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 lots of reasons. But but it's very important, I think, to be able to talk about these kinds of things. And and you uh, if you talk with Muslims, you will find that they do come at some of these issues a little differently. That that young uh, woman in my class, she kind of felt like Islam. She she felt protected. She felt that uh, the patriarchal uh, family gave her uh, a, 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 an assurance. I can tell you that some of the young uh, American students who were women in my class, they didn't see it that way. Mm-hmm. All right, Ken, let me take a little break. Ken Samples is my guest. Go to reasons.org to learn more about Ken. Also, as we talk about this topic of Islam versus Christianity, the differences, let me know if you have a question or a comment. You can send that or call 877-933-2484. Be right back. back with Ken Samples. He's a philosopher and a theologian. We're talking about Islam today and the differences between Christianity and Islam. Here's a question. Uh, Ken just came in. Please ask Ken to contrast how people of other religions are treated when Islam becomes the predominant religion. Yeah, well, that's, uh, that's part of the controversial nature of uh, Islam. Uh, you know, when we were talking before, one of the points that I want to make, Bill, is that uh, even though I, even though I think Islam is false because I'm a Christian after all, um, I have to say I think Muhammad was an extraordinary individual. He's, he's born in 570 into uh, you know the the me- medieval Arabic desert. He is uh, an orphan. Both of his parents die very, very, I think his father died before he was born. His mother dies right after. He's raised by a cousin and then um, an uncle, a grandfather. Uh, he's illiterate. And within, uh, within the 60 years or so, he, he dies in 632, born in 570, dies in 632. Bill, he becomes the undisputed leader of the entire Arabian world. Now, you may not think that he was the prophet of God. You may strongly differ from Islam, but there's no doubt that uh, Muhammad was one of the most influential people who ever lived in the world. Now, what comes out of that, of course, is that in in the early history of Islam, uh, Muhammad 
was not always fair and just in his treatment of Jews, Christians, and non-Muslims. And there is a long history in Islam that when Islam takes uh, authoritative power in government, uh, that there are unfortunately cases in which Muslims are treated very differently than non-Muslims, or non-Muslims are, uh, are oppressed. And that's a criticism of, of Islam, uh, just like there are people that I meet all the time who say, you know, in Christian history, Christians haven't done these kinds of things. But, but the reality is, Muhammad was an extraordinary individual, but he was not always perfectly just in the way he treated non-Muslims, and that continued after his death. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't you say that his practices with marriage was a little bit odd as well? Uh, indeed. Uh, you know, um, in the early part of uh, Muhammad's life, uh, he married a woman who was a bit older than he was, and they were married a long time. In fact, she kind of gave him a, a caravan business in the desert and kind of gave him uh, stability in life, and it was after that he, that he claimed to have these religious visions. Uh, but after her death, uh, he had about a dozen wives. And, um, you know, the Quran says that a man can have four wives if he can care for them. But Muhammad claimed to have had revelation from God that gave him more than that. And some of the young women were pretty young. So these are controversial ideas uh, in Islam. And I don't think we can shy away from them. I think that we want to understand them. And, and again, Bill, there's a great book uh, by a Muslim scholar. Uh, I would call this Islam 101, if you will. The title of it is Islam, Religion, History, and Civilization by Syed Nasar, spelled N-A-S-R. Uh, this is a great place for anybody who wants to learn about Islam and get it from the horse's mouth. Uh, Nasar is so clear. And by the way, after 9-11, he condemned, Nasar condemned Osama bin Laden, hmm. which meant my admiration for him went up quite a bit. So Ken, what about some Christians that want to be politically correct? And they go, well, don't, I don't want to be Islamophobic. Yeah, well, we, you know, we, we kind of throw these words out there, uh, and I, I think you've made the point already that, look, differing with each other doesn't mean that we're afraid of each other or that we want to oppress each other. Uh, you know, John Adams, second president of the United States, used to say facts are stubborn things. Well, I would say the laws of logic are stubborn things. Jesus Christ is either the Son of God or he's not. Uh Christians say he is the son of God. Muslims say he's not. He, he can't be both. He's one or the other. Uh, and, and that's just a logical fact. That's not anything to do with prejudice or fear or, or, or any of the concerns that often can, are conveyed today. Ken, what is Allah's will for a Muslim? I mean, Christian, Christians know what God's will is for their life. Does Allah have a will for Muslims? Yeah, Muhammad's message, his original message, and I think it's still conveyed in the history of Islam, 
that uh, there's going to be a, there's going to be a great judgment, and the only way you're going to be able to stand in that judgment is if you put yourself fully in submission to God, uh, to Allah, to follow uh, the the pillars. Uh, and to submit yourself. That's the only way you can, you can stand in this kind of judgment. Now, you know, when we think theologically, um, I think it's fair to say that Muslims have a very strong view of God's dominion, his sovereignty. Uh, in fact, often when Christian theology and Islamic theology go back and forth, th- there's this strong sense in which uh, Allah is, is almost unknowable. He is he is so holy and so distinct and uh, so apart from the world that there is kind of this unbridgeable gap, if you will. Of course, I I like to bring in the idea, Bill, that with the Trinity, God is love in himself. God doesn't have to create to get love. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in a loving relationship from eternity. But if Allah is alone and the sovereign ruler and creator, who does he love? Does, does, is he lonely? Does he have to create to get love? I've debated this issue with two uh, Muslim apologists on the web, and I mean, it went back and forth. They got kind of mad at me and yelled at me. But at the end, but you know what both of them said? Uh, I don't know who Allah loved in eternity. And I said, you know what? That's okay. There are a lot of things about God I don't know. Go talk to your imam and ask him these questions. Great. Okay, we just have a couple minutes left, and I, I know that there's somebody listening right now that wants to know the real Jesus. You know, who is he, and, and how can we know him? Yeah, uh, thank you very much. You know, there's nothing more important than knowing about Jesus. Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that in Christianity, in the Bible, that there is truth, and that truth is a person. Jesus is the second person of the Trinity, and he was born in in the womb of the Virgin Mary, took a human nature and became man. He lived in this world. He suffered in this world uh, with us and, and for us. He had conflicts in his family. He had conflicts with his religious community. In other words, Jesus went to the cross, and so God knows what it's like to suffer. You know, when I'm going through a tough time, Bill, I want to know, do you, do you know, can you relate to me? Do, right. do you know how I feel? I can tell you today that Jesus knows what it's like. Uh, he, he knows what it is to have problems and pain. But out of that suffering comes the gift of salvation. Jesus is the Lord. He is the Savior, the Messiah, who's come into the world to offer us salvation. And if you put your trust in him, if you open your heart and say, Lord, I believe in you, I I put my complete trust in you, I believe that your righteousness uh, covers my my sinful acts, Uh, you can know him, and you, you will have eternal life with him. And so, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't mind if, if I don't mind saying, uh, Bill, there's nothing more important for me in my life than to tell people about Jesus Christ, his life, his death, and his resurrection from the dead. Mm-hmm. Ken, I usually don't ask you to do this, but would you close us out in a word of prayer? Be happy to. Heavenly Father, we praise you this day. We praise you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for 
your goodness and your love. We thank you for the gift of your Son. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, I pray that uh, you will bring people to us, that we can talk about uh, the great truth of Jesus's life and his death and his resurrection. And Lord, I pray that you'll bless uh, Bill and Rebecca and their great show. And uh, Father, that our lives can bring glory to you. And again, we praise you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Ken Samples, thank you so much. I always love having you on the show. I, I come to the studio and I learn every day. That's what I do is I just come and learn and I hope others can learn with me because uh, you do such a wonderful job. Thank you for always saying yes to coming on the program. It's my pleasure. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. Ken Samples has been my guest. You can go to reasons.org to learn more about Ken. That wraps up our show for the day. It's been a great Monday. I can't think of a better way to end the show than just what Ken shared in the last five minutes. You can know the real Jesus. I hope that that's your heart today. And if not, you can always contact the station. Email me directly, bill at myfaithradio.com. I can answer any questions you might have or steer you in the right direction. Thank you for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Have a great night, everyone. I'll see you tomorrow.